0: Impact of Influence, The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. truth. Hello, friend. Matt Harris and Seton Tucker. And we're so grateful that you are spending time with us. And this is going to be an interesting one because we're talking about Facebook groups and... Sleuths and all that sort of thing, which I guess we're in that group. Redditors. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and there was a New York Post article about this very thing. Let's let's talk about the Post article for a second, Seaton.
1: Citizen Sleuth: How the wave of real crime fanatics are causing chaos. That's not
0: always flattering in this article about uh, the the sleuth groups and these citizens that are sometimes getting in the way of law enforcement.
1: Joe McCullough was quoted in the article.
0: Who is uh, one of the attorneys who we sat next to during a lot during the trial. And he's been on the show and he's uh, involved in the Mallory Beach voting case. So, yeah, he's quoted in there. And uh, they talk about all the podcasts and documentaries that have become this cottage industry, if you will. And how it's not always working out for the best. But I think many times it is. And I don't think it's always necessarily a bunch of ghouls just uh, you know, wanting to be around murder. Uh, it is people who have this as, as, I don't know, a hobby, it may be the case, but a real live interest in solving crime and talking about crime and and giving that information to people who are interested.
1: Yeah, and Jim McCullough says there's some good things that come out of it and maybe some bad things. And there was also a segment on Good Morning America where Jim Griffin, the attorney for Alec Murdoch, and Sarah Zari uh, discussed kind of the same thing and how that may affect a person's right to a fair trial.
0: Yeah, because they're both defense attorneys, so yeah, you, you, that's
1: that could obviously be their perspective.
0: Right. Well, it's true. Once once there is a suspect, usually, uh, you know, that person's arrested. They assume that they did it, right? And, and then when you start adding in all these things and all, all the these media groups, and, yeah, and the grapes yeah, yeah. and. Uh, we're gonna to talk to a couple of moderators of large true crime groups. Uh we'll first introduce you to Aubrey, who's a Hampton native. Uh where is your presence felt during this Murdoch thing? What was your 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 setup? Um, I, I was interested in it.
2: Obviously, I got interested in it because of uh, it being so local to me and as well as knowing them um from growing up and um I just got it. That's this is my first time into true crime, and honestly, probably will be my last.
0: <laughs> really,
2: so much, uh, so much behind the scenes that people don't know about, and um, this will be my last time, I, I would imagine.
0: And what what's your main format? Are you on Reddit? Are you on Facebook? Are you Twitter? What 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 do you do?
2: I'm on both uh, Reddit and Facebook. Um, actually, run the. Um, With a couple of other moderators, we have the largest Reddit sub on the topic, and it's um, just shy of 63,000 members now. Um, Started out, you know, obviously very small, probably 1,200 people when we first got going. It was almost immediate. We had um, a pretty good following come over from Facebook. And then um, on the Facebook group, I am actually uh, co-moderator with uh, Danielle and a couple of other people, and we do one of the larger groups on there as well. What's that called? That one is Horror in Hampton.
1: And the Reddit group is called?
2: The Reddit group is Murdoch Family Murders.
1: Is this a full-time job, moderating these groups?
2: Um, it can be. Um, I typically will log on first thing in the morning when I first get up and then and take care of whatever uh, needs to be done from overnight. Um, the ladies will, that have on the team with me, uh, they come in later on, mid-morning or so, and they'll do their part. and then. Uh, throughout the day, we um, have a sort of back-channel communication where we talk with one another and talk about the issues of the group and whatever might be uh, kind of cooking a little too hot or whatever topic we may need to post on to kind of keep interest going. Um, and it, it can be as full-time as you let it be. Uh, typically, um, now, with everything kind of being in a lull, we're beyond the murder trial, but coming up, to the murder trial, and actually during the trial itself, it was a, a you know multiple hour kind of adventure. Um, we set the set the site up so that we had auto posts that would come on every morning at five, just to give people a new um, a new thread to talk on, so that you weren't um, sort of losing the old information. Um, but now it's it's just a matter of a couple of hours a day that we spend um, between the three of us. It's not. Um, It's not really demanding anymore, as as like it was.
1: Well, Aubrey has told us that he wasn't really a true crime person. Danielle, tell us your background and how you got interested in true crime and moderating and and what you are moderating. Oh,
3: boy. Um, I have been following true crime probably since I was a child. Um, And as I got older and social media evolved, I really... Got involved in social media groups probably around 2016 and 2017.
0: Well, I got a question. I can stop you right there because I'm trying to understand what were you doing before social media when it comes to true crime?
3: I was an avid true crime reader. Um, Okay. I probably read every Ann Rule book there is, (laughs) every true crime book I could get my hands on, every show on TV, anything you can imagine.
0: What was your first? Social media, true crime event.
3: Missy Bevers was actually the first case that I got deeply involved in. That was um, a murder of a wife and a fitness coach in Texas. She was found murdered in a church.
0: Oh, jeez! And so you did started a, yeah. uh, a Facebook group or something for that?
3: I followed along in a Facebook group on that and... Became deeply involved in research with a group of people and it evolved from there. And then I followed the Pike County massacre, which was the murders of the Roden and Gilly family, member, family members in Southern Ohio on April 21st, 2016. And it's just evolved, you know.
1: I know you have a large Facebook group Horror in the Hampton related to the Murdochs, and you also, I believe, you have one on the Idaho Four.
3: Yes, yep, we do. The Idaho Four is called Murder in Moscow, Moscow. I'm not sure how they pronounce that up there. Right. I think they pronounce it Moscow. Uh, Murder in Moscow, the Idaho Four.
1: And are those the only two groups you're moderating right now? Those are the
3: only two active groups. Yes, there's other groups where cases have been solved and went to trial and such, but those are the only two active groups. And we have like a basic true crime discussion group, but that's pretty pretty quiet as well.
1: Well, I know that you've always been impressed me as being a very fair moderator. As a lot of the other groups, I mean, some can be kind of crazy. Um, but let's move on to technology. Mm-hmm. Um, technology has made it much easier. For sleuths to research, and it's kind of created this whole wave of these amateur sleuths. Uh, tell us some of the good things that you've seen from research conducted by av- average citizens.
3: Oh, wow. There's a lot of good things I've seen. I've seen things such as being able to find out information that the public doesn't know. For example, when you see documentaries put out on TV, you know, you get an hour of a very large story. So when you have citizens loose in the public researching and digging, there's really so much more to the crimes and the people who are involved in them, the victims and the offenders that you learn about when you're researching. You don't really get that when it comes to media, TV and such, because they're limited on what they right. can provide that would probably be one of the the perks of it, you know, you you know the cases on a deeper level. So much so that I I can I don't really watch the bigger shows anymore because I know just from researching, you know, certain cases I'm like, oh, there's so much more to this. <laughs> there's so much more than what's being said. Like a
0: dateline's so, got to be you can take away the commercials, it's about, you know, a 42 minute show or something.
1: They can't possibly get exactly. into the details that you can in a, a format where you can post everything you want and, and they can post documents, they can pre- post criminal reports and lots of different things. But also, I think one of the risks that you have is that just lay people are reviewing some complicated things and sometimes they may be misunderstood.
0: It is specifically the Murdoch case that there can be with some of the sluice an agenda, Right. Um, and if That's you don't if you right. don't adhere to a certain agenda, you get a lot of backlash. So th- there can be harm in that way. Uh, do you agree, Aubrey on that? If there's an agenda with a, a group?
2: I agree, absolutely. Um, in fact, on Facebook, there are I can name off another five or six um, Facebook groups that have you know sort of zeroed in on the Murdoch cases specifically. And those moderators, were they were hard and fast in one direction and it didn't matter that we had never seen one one piece of evidence. It didn't matter that the facts weren't out. They were hard and fast that, that that he was guilty of everything that anybody had ever been accused of. And it didn't, you know, you couldn't talk logic to them because they would just block you. And there were multiple groups, frankly, that I got booted out of. Because I, I've always been down the middle of the road. show me the facts. Don't talk to me about what you think is happening. Talk to me about the facts of what's happening and, and what we know to be true. And they, there are lots of groups that that just don't follow that track. they, they get that idea in their head and, and they just allow people to write whatever, um, even though it has no sort of basic in tr- lo- you know basis in truth or logic. And even things that we know, from the record is not true, they will continue to allow those sort of falsehoods to be posted over and over again. And anybody who dares speak up um, to say, no, that's not true, they kick them out because they only want the echo chamber.
1: Well, Aubrey, let's talk about that. We, in this Murdoch case, saw a lot of false information in the media and made its way to social media. And some of this misinformation was proven false or not presented at the trial. Let's go over like what we think the biggest things that we saw in social media and just general media that did not come to fruition at the trial.
2: Probably one of the biggest ones is that that Maggie was lured there.
1: Oh, uh, um, yeah.
2: And, and and that's really not true. There are also stories where she was dragged from the house down to the kennels. And, of course, none of that was ever proven out to be true. Um, all the stories about the divorce and how she had hired a divorce attorney, none of that was ever mentioned in the trial. And on that note, that is a big piece of, of motive evidence. If the state had had any sort of um, evidence or motivation or anything, anything that would would have made that divorce claim hold water, we would have heard it in the trial because they, they were using all of these individual pieces of circumstantial evidence. And they were basically throwing everything against the barn wall, hoping that something would stick in order to get the conviction. And if they had evidence about a divorce or any sort of um, marital split or, or you know, infidelity or anything of that nature, all of that would have come out.
0: There's a couple of, points I want to add on to that one is it's one thing to report if you want to use that word or whatever uh something and then if you find out it's not true just to pretend it's okay to say oh we heard this rumor or whatever or we heard this story and somebody told but it's okay to go we screwed that one up that is not the case and also to differentiate between things that people hear or reported that may or may not be true and what the jurors Mm -hmm. hear Are two completely different things.
2: Exactly. You get the social media and the the regular media reporting out there. For example, there was a a news report that said that Maggie supposedly texted a friend and told her, I think he's up to something. Mm -hmm. But yet she went on from Edisto back to Moselle. None of that ever happened because it was, like I said, never presented in the trial. But you get that out into the wild. And you know that the that the airwaves and and the local conversation and everything is saturated with with all of this news and all of the things that that we've heard since uh, all of this got started. And there's no way that the jury didn't hear that. You, you know, just in casual conversation in a restaurant somewhere, they probably overheard it. You, you poison. You're basically poisoning the well to where someone can't get a, free, a fair trial. And as despicable as Alec is for the things that he's been convicted of and, and has been accused of, he deserved a fair trial, just like any American would. And that was always my concern with the, with the social media groups um, that I've been involved in. Just tell, the, tell the truth of what we know and don't convict the man before he even gets a chance to even be in the courthouse door the first time.
1: Danielle, tell us how you, as a moderator, try to keep it fair. It's hard. Um, pro- it's it's hard
3: more so because of the backlash that you get. You have to have very thick skin when you are involved in social media, in true crime, and you are an admin, moderator, whatever it may be, on whatever platform it is. Because, you know, as Aubrey stated, that... I approached it the same way. I wanted facts. And our group and our name literally is based, like, we focus on facts. We don't want the rumors. We don't want the gossips. We want the facts. You can't say Alec is guilty because he did all these horrible other things, right? You have to have facts of the crime. And people ran with whatever they read on Twitter, in the media. Whatever they read, wherever they read it, over two years or a year and a half, however long it was, um, they ran with any little thing that was said and they twisted it into fact. And you know, we we really, really combated that. We would fact check, we would say, No, this is incorrect, you know, can you hand me a source for that? And it it was difficult. Um, we're, we still fact check. We still have people joining the groups, you know, that don't know all the facts. And we try to provide it in a very nice demeanor. But there's people out there who, no matter what you tell them, when it comes to giving them a fact, they don't want to hear any different than what they've learned on social media or through media reports or from, you know, Whoever said what along the grapevine?
0: I think that you know some of the interesting parts of this are are fair speculation, right? So you there's one thing. So it's not mm-hmm. always necessarily a fact. You can have some fair speculation of say you you make this <laughs> speculation and you have a fair conversation about. Well, maybe that's not true, or maybe that is true. And just because you might think, let, let's say as a moderator, you believe Alec Murdoch killed everyone, he was doing whatever that doesn't mean you have reckless speculation, right? There's a little bit of a, and you can also say, well, okay, he might've done it, but it's not because of this little story that was out there. If that makes sense, Uh, you know, a little bit of speculation is kind of part of the game, right?
3: Right. Absolutely. And, you know, being completely transparent, when we first opened our group, I was sold, 100% sold that he was guilty and I based it on one thing. And that was in my own, and I I didn't try to, I didn't push that narrative on anybody. But when I first opened that group, there was one thing in the 911 call that never sat right with me, and it was when Alex said, I've been up to it now. That one line and how he said it, that had me convinced.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And Aubrey joined the group, and he eventually became an admin as well, and he... I got to give it to him because he really, really made me think outside the box and made me step back and say, no, we need facts. You know, I can't go around saying, hey, I think he's guilty just because of this. We need evidence. We need facts. And we had some great discussions in that group. We still do.
1: I have a couple of sleuth friends that I've made along the way, and they all talk about what happened and the scenarios, and they have really great theories. And we've received lots of emails and comments on our Facebook page about the discussions. And I, I do think those are fair game as long as it's presented as a discussion.
0: What do you think about that, Aubrey? Because there is, you know, it's not always going to be fact, 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 because we don't have all the story.
2: You're only going to have a certain number of pieces of, of you know, evidence or, you know, fact based information that, that we would consider to be reliable. And then, that gray area where you start to kind of color in the lines, that's where a lot of, um, a lot of the wild stuff lives. And so uh, we, we sort of had to install uh, what I think of as, as like guardrails. Um, so you're riding down the highway, you've got the two main lines of traffic, then you've got the guardrails and out there beyond the guardrails is where that's where the wild stuff lives. And so you kind of keep that wild from coming in. I remember in one of the groups and I I can't remember exactly which one it was now but there was a, a lady on there she was absolutely convinced and selling it hard that Maggie and Paul weren't really dead. Yes, we got that one. Dead. You know, it just doesn't it just completely defies logic. That's somebody who's been watching too much television.
3: She's still floating that theory around. Oh really? That they're not Oh yes, yes. That The Murdoch's and then bought the bodies. The whole theory Yep, and then it runs into the whole theory of Maggie and Paul were cremated too fast. Mm-hmm. And if that's not the case, I mean, from my understanding, when they're their public memorial, their bodies were still actually at the coroner, at the medical examiners. So they weren't cremated too fast. And that, then it runs into the whole other, well, you know, Alec had them cremated because he wants to cover something up. And so then you have to bow track and be like, well, that's not really how it works. Once an you know, autopsy's conducted, you know, tissue samples are taken, they're kept. Once the body is released, the next of kin, family member, whoever it may be, has every right to dispose of the remains how they wish to, whether that's burial or cremation. There's no wrong in that.
1: When someone floats out this kind of crazy theory that you know is not really plausible, how do you handle that? Do you say, uh, no, or do you just let people comment on it?
3: I personally delete the comments because, you know, I think over the course of the last two years, I did try to talk sense into people who said that. And sometimes there's just no talking sense into some things that are said. And I will remove the comment, or I will say that's not true." You know, please review the group rules and all of that. And usually, it makes people mad. They get mad, and they'll either delete themselves or block you or send you a really nice message. So <laughs> you know there's the only solution to it really is to delete it, ignore it, and not allow it.
0: Aubrey, how often? Were you accused of being paid for by the Murdochs, A? And B, how often were you uh, viscerally attacked by people posting and, 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 and being very, very angry with you?
2: Um, it was a frequent accusation of, of being on the payroll, um, being accused of actually being Alec, posting behind my name.
0: Oh, you were, um, they thought you were actually Alec? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> just,
2: you, you name it, and I've been accused of it. Um, but the, the, there's no checks that have been written. Nothing has come in the mail. Uh, I've not been paid in any way, and I am who I say I am. And that's thats another thing that makes me a little different. If you go to Reddit, um, most people don't use their real name. And I, I made up my mind from the very beginning. I'm posting under my own name because I don't have any place to hide. I don't have anything to hide. And I don't want... People saying, you know, all these stories about who I might be because I've got an anonymous name. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reddit is typically an anonymous um, type of uh, platform where you can choose whatever name you want and you can be whoever you want. But I've been out and open and, um, you know, consistent from both platforms that I'm participating in. You know, fact-based, reality-anchored, and, you know, I'm just... Giving you logic, you know, there's there's a world that we all live in and there's just a, there's a, a logic a laws of logic and reasoning. So anytime I had the opportunity to to um, confront someone that is presenting all this nonsense, I, I would challenge back and say, OK, how does that make sense with these things that we know? And typically you could get them to at least get to the point where they'd stop arguing with you. Um, you didn't, I didn't have much luck, uh, with some of the crazier ones of, uh, <laughs> you know, turning them.
1: Okay. So Aubrey, you uh, like to hear the facts you present your factual base. And I think Danielle, you appear to be the same way. Have y'all offered your opinions on any of this, or did you just like to just stick with the facts?
2: I think I, uh, we both have. Yeah, I think we both have as well. You know, I had a couple of theories at the very beginning of, um, kind of how I felt things were. Um, and some of that I, some of that has proven out to be true, and then some of it hasn't.
0: And so, Aubrey, do you believe Alec Murdoch murdered his wife and son?
2: As I sit here today, I am not 100% convinced that he killed uh, Maggie and Paul. I am convinced that he was present and that he knows what happened, but I do not necessarily believe that he did it himself.
0: Uh, Danielle?
3: I echo what Aubrey said. I feel the exact same way. I watched the entire trial. I think we all did. Every minute of it. And there's just still some really big holes that don't make sense. I'm not convinced and will never be convinced that he did it alone. And I don't understand what or who he's trying to protect. If there is somebody else involved. There's a lot of questions still.
1: Okay, so I want to discuss the relationships of family members on these groups. I know Sandy Smith was at one point on the Whore in the Hampton group, and it's kind of this tricky line because people are discussing things, and maybe that's not a place for a family member. What's your opinion on this?
3: So our groups, we used to actually have it in the group description before you join. You know, if you're a family member, we do not recommend that you join. It's a highly sensitive Mm topic. It's very hard for family members, for friends, for anybody who, who loves a person who's been murdered. To see complete strangers dissecting their lives, their murders, what could have happened, what didn't happen, what should have happened. That's very hard for people. And, you know, we let Sandy in the group. And she got very, very upset. Because... I posted photos that Dateline aired I posted photos that Dateline aired and I even I put a bunch of black just completely black screen photos up with a trigger warning and they they're not I wouldn't say that they're graphic photos at all they were aired on national television right but that, she, you know that was very upsetting to her which I can completely understand. Totally it being upsetting and at the same time it, it's a really thin line to walk when you run those groups because we're there to inform yeah. we're there to show people what what has happened and the, these are public images that were plastered on tv there's no pictures of his face or anything like that and it was upsetting to her and she left and i can respect that it's, sure. it's really not the best place for family members to be
0: when- well, let me ask about your you uh, your own personal mental health, Danielle, who's been doing it for a super long time, and Aubrey. I I think I know it's not cool that people get really almost violent in the way they're saying things and call people names and that sort of thing. It is not. I say, however, when you're doing these kind of things, it's kind of part of what's going to happen when you enter that space, right? I mean, you you it's just kind of just comes with a turf it sucks it's horrible it doesn't justify it right but have you had days when you're like i can't do this anymore or have you come to that place where there's always gonna be a-holes um and that's just the way it is i'll start with you uh, aubrey on that one
2: there have been times with the subject matter not so much the the chatter and the the noise from outside and the, the way the members have acted none of that really bothers me but the the subject matter itself in places got pretty dark and there was a couple of times where I, I had to tell my fellow moderators, I'm, I'm going to take a couple of days back away mm. from this um, just to kind of take my breath and um, just relax a minute and not, uh, not be so absorbed. Um, and then I'll come back. And I think all of us at some point have, have done that where it just gets so heavy. You know, this, this topic, it's one thing when you, when you're, dealing with or reading about a murder of a stranger that's horrible enough but when you think about what happened here and the husband and a father killing his his wife and son on an ordinary summer night just out of the blue there's just something about it because of the family element uh, of it being such close such a close relationship between the three of them Um, and I think. If I remember right, what what sort of got me to the point where I said I needed to take a little bit uh, of a break from it was reading the details of what happened to Paul and realizing that he didn't die with the first shot mm-hmm. and likely knew what had happened to him, you know, or what who had done what happened to him, and then realizing after looking at the scene itself and looking at pictures of it that Maggie likely saw Paul from where she was and then you get into the the terror and the the just disbelief and and all of the emotions that that she would have been feeling and that's uh, that's the part where I had to kind of step back and say okay this is this is a little bit too much for me I'm gonna have to take a take a minute and um and then come back
0: Danielle that question to you, were there times, were there dark days, were there days where like this isn't worth it? Uh explain your mental process.
3: There was probably many times that I had to just say, you know what, I'm putting my phone down. I'm not looking. I'm walking away. When things would get out of control within the social media group and but again, like Aubrey said, when it comes to the crime itself, it's horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying. You know, he's a father, I think, and I'm a mother, and I'm sure you both are. I know Seton's a mother, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you're a parent as well. Yep. Just to think as a parent, you know, what Maggie saw, and to think that Paul looked in the eyes of his killer, and if his father was there, well, you know, they say his father was there. I just I can't imagine the pain. They felt in their hearts, on top of it, you know, the physical pain that they went through in their last moments. It's it's horrible. They were somewhere that they should have been the safest.
1: I have talked to a lot of people in the media about this case, and they have all said they have not seen the trolling and the keyboard warriors in any other case that they've dealt with, like the Murdoch case. Okay, tell us how many people have you had to ban from your from your groups?
0: Is it dozens or hundreds? Oh my gosh.
1: Probably hundreds. Wow. There's probably hundreds. Probably hundreds. I mean,
3: this is the first case I've ever been accused of being I've been accused of being on the Murdoch payroll. Called a social media knife fighter, a Murdoch lover. There's a whole meme. There's a whole meme made about us.
1: Really? I was
3: on (laughs) that meme. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it includes my name, Aubrey's name, oh. Peyton's yeah. name, a couple other names, and it's called. I'm not even gonna say what it's called. But yeah, I got. Don't just, even it give it air.
0: It's yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. It is how ugly it got during this. I, I, you know, I've been in the media for I don't want to say how old I am, but a long time, thirty some years in various TV, radios, and I have never seen various. Well, okay, it's only a few, but uh, you know, people go at each other who are basically doing the same kind of thing. It's just really weird to me, uh, the attacks and things. I don't get it.
1: Is your Idaho group the same way, or are they more friendly there? Actually, that group is very quiet, because
3: that case itself is unhinged, and the the theories in that case are off the wall, and we don't allow that. So that group is very quiet right now. I expect it to be a little bit more active when he goes to trial, but... You know, there's some pretty sinister theories in that case, and I don't have the energy to entertain that. I just don't. I want facts. I want truth. In that case, it's even more buttoned up and quiet, and there's gag orders, so there's a lot less public information available than -hmm. what there was in Murdoch. And Murdoch, we struggled to get information, you know? So this one's even harder to get verifiable information.
1: As far as Murdoch, it's... It's been the worst. Yeah. It's been the worst I've ever seen. Well, I really respect the way you run your group, and you are just trying to keep it factual and not going different crazy directions or conspiracy-type things. So we really appreciate you coming yeah. on. Yeah.
0: And it's, you know, it's a different way to say it than facts sometimes is just critical thinking. Yes. You know, that, cause sometimes it's not a fact. Sometimes it's a theory or whatever, but there's critical thinking that's allowed to say, well, that doesn't make sense, or that does make sense. That That is really... Right. The important part, I think, you know, um, Absolutely.
3: anyway, we've had some great discussions in there. Great discussions yeah. where we all didn't agree, but the discussion was great. So when you're able to come together and think and.
0: Yep.
1: Disagreements. Be okay, and
3: kind to each other. It works great.
0: Thanks guys. Very much. Appreciate it. Danielle, where the, where can they go for your stuff?
3: Yeah. Smarter in Moscow, the Idaho four. And I think horror in Hampton is horror in Hampton. Horror in Hampton. The Murdoch mysteries, and I may have just added at the end of it low country crimes to it. So, because we're discussing other stuff in
0: there yeah. too. So. All right, my friends, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you guys. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Bye. Uh, so, there you go. Any comments, reach out to us on Impact of Influence, the Facebook page. Yes, Seton.
1: And we will talk soon. ah <laughs> ha.
0: You beat me to it.
2: From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia.